0: Welcome to the sprout marketing manifesto where we share our humble insights on modern digital marketing we're broadcasting from beautiful downtown berlin not the capital of germany but america's coolest small town nine miles west of ocean city maryland this is mark shaw from westbound sounds with my co-host vincent gisrael from sprout creatives once a month we casually discuss the web marketing music and other forms of media right here on this podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Well, Vince, we finally made it. Our very first podcast. How excited are you, my friend?
1: I'm pretty excited. (laughs) Um, I would say on the... uh Of nervous, maybe too.
0: (laughs) You know, I'm just thrilled that you came up with the idea for a podcast about marketing and and asked me to be a part of it because, you know, we've had a lot of fun collaborating and planning everything out, and it's been a real pleasure to work with you, a motivated creative person like yourself. So thank you for that, too. And the reason we decided to do a podcast is so we can put a spotlight on our clients and learn about how they implement marketing practices. Everything from what our customers visualize to what they hear, feel, and experience. We want business owners and marketing folks to use our podcast as a learning tool, and we hope to provide some inspiration on how you can better improve your customer relations by hearing the real life experiences.
1: Yeah, I guess the one thing I would say is this podcast isn't gonna be about us. And although we are gonna talk from time to time, It's really going to be about the people that we help and what the people out there listening to can learn from what they do every day. So with that being said, why don't you introduce our first guest here?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thanks again for everyone for tuning in today. We have a great first show lined up for you with our esteemed guest, Desiree Lawrence, the Chief Marketing Officer of Blue Water Development Corporation here in the Ocean City area. Welcome, Desiree. How are you today? Doing great. <laughs> Thanks so much for taking the time to meet with us. We're really glad that you could join us to share your experiences in marketing. You know, After reading your bio, your career history is just super fascinating to me. And it goes all the way back to when you were in college and majoring in emergency health services. You were actually a paramedic at one point, right?
2: I was. I, um, I got stuck in a situation where I had to take an elective that was off of what my major was and someone said you know what let's just uh let's really mix it up and take a marketing class and i said well that's gonna be painful so (laughs) i i did i took the dare because i am not bright enough not to and um and i took it and i'll tell you right now i was it was marketing 101 and i was in love in minutes I mean, I, I, it was like a cartoon where you see like the hearts in the person's eyes and everything like that. It was like, <gasps> tell me everything. I, was, <laughs> I was totally fascinated, and hooked. So that was it. I, uh, I think I waited a whole, I gave it, you know, a really long like lead process of really wet like vetting out if I should do it. I think it took a whole week for me to go in and actually say. I'm going to change my major and go into marketing and PR. So that's what I did.
0: The rest is history. Wow, I mean, so like, what was it really originally that kind of ignited your whole passion for marketing?
2: I think it was. It was honestly the the theory and application process. There is so much strategy involved. You know, I laugh all the time when people say to me, "You know, it's hit and misses. You never really know." That's crap you do know and you, you have to come up with a plan. I mean, obviously your feet are moving all the time. You're constantly having to shift, especially now in the digital environment. It's all about the ability to shift and to make a quick decision in a real time pace and keep up with where your target audience is looking right at that moment. But I it was really just the idea of these applications and what you could do and you know I, I live and die by the ideas of you know motion that creates emotion and you need to you need to live by that and I think about that every single day And I still I mean this is my 21st year I'm in love with it as much I am today as I was when I walked into that class
0: Wow And when you first got started, was it? Um, still traditional marketing, or was it digital marketing?
2: It was still very much traditional marketing. And um, I would say it was about... 2009 2010 and a good friend of mine from google called me that we had gone to school together and he'd gone off and and done something a little bit different than what i was doing and he said you know hey i i know you like to absorb i know you like to read i know that's you know you're you're on you're on top of it as a marketer always looking to see what's going to come next and he goes i'm telling you some things are coming across my desk I All I'm going to do is just send them to you. They're just food for thought. Do me a favor. Bookmark them. Absorb it for a year. Let's set a calendar date right now to have another conversation. What was it? It was all these articles about digital marketing. It really was. There was social media in there. There were notions of taking traditional marketing kind of changing the face of it and infusing the ideas of direct mail which we do direct mail now we just do it electronically. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all different channels that we use to do that one thing that I used to do 15 years ago. You know, all these ideas of how you can transform what you were doing not become obsolete in the field but embrace what was kind of unknown as digital marketing at the time and when we had that conversation a year later, he came down here and saw me, and I remember we were at Bull in the Beach, and um, you know you kind of have that you know roast beef hangover <laughs> like there's that five minute time where you just don't really know what's going on, and uh, and I said let me just just say right now I have an idea why you did this why you sent this to me and he goes yeah and he goes I- I'll tell you right now if you if you don't embrace the future of digital you're going to become obsolete as a marketer and your career will be over in five years. Wow! And that freaked me out. I mean, it snapped me out of my roast beef hangover. And I was like, <laughs> all right, I'm in like, you know, I, let me just keep sending me everything you can. And let me figure out what, what do I need to do? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where social media started to really play a big factor in what I was doing.
0: Mm-hmm. And in 2011, you started your business, yeah. Get Noticed PR. And what was really the driving factor for you to go out on your own and start this full service marketing firm?
2: So I had, you know, dabbled in Facebook a little bit and um, I was fascinated for sure. I didn't see the big picture. I saw it as my, um, my electronic phone book you know my my date book at at one point of all right now i can just you know now that i've caught up with you know miss wilson from third grade and you know and i've cyber stalked the boy that you know told me no at homecoming <laughs> you know i can um i i can go ahead and and live my life and i really wasn't looking at the big picture of marketing in a full online environment at that point um But then when you step away a little bit and you were seeing things like LinkedIn emerge into it, I remember it was LinkedIn that really got my attention. Hmm. And then I looked back at Facebook and said, oh, you're going to find a way to make me do something that I wouldn't normally do. You're going to find a way to create a sense of urgency in me and stimulate me to buy something that I Literally was not thinking about at all before I looked at it right here. So it was like, well, so I'm going to be basically watching TV and I'm going to be watching it online. And that that's really what got me. What actually started me off here was I was um, handling social media for um, an accommodations company I was working for. And all of a sudden I would get phone calls from other people that said, you know, hey, can you help me out? You know, I really, I need some help. I don't understand all this social media stuff. But then it started to grow of, well, hey, you have this, you know, long history in marketing. Can you help me out with ad buys? Can you help me out with content? Can you help me out? Do you know anybody that can do a good website for me or take photography for me? I mean, it was all these things. And the market, the the local market is literally what made me do it because I was going to stay very quiet under the radar and just kind of help out people where I could. And they were at the time screaming for a consultant Mm -hmm. and I couldn't get away from it. you know. And the next thing I know, I'm teaching classes and doing workshops and helping people point them in the right direction. And then all of a sudden, all these web partners came out and photographers started kind of coming to the surface of realizing. They were going to be in deep demand in about a year, and they were smart and got kind of in, in the middle of us quickly.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And it, it just it just kind of took off from there.
0: That's funny because he, even here in our little ecosystem on the eastern shore, the businesses around here started adopting more technology, mm-hmm. the newer things that are coming out, and especially marketing, too. I mean, they've all kind of grown along with yeah. uh, a lot of that innovation.
2: I think that in the back of people's mind I think that in in web and social and creative everyone knew that content marketing was coming and the necessary demand for it to really own what your brand looks and feels and sounds and smells but no one could figure out the two words content marketing they just everyone was kind of talking about it but i don't think any of us at the time really knew that was what it was going to be and content marketing had a much bigger impact than just the look and feel and smell and taste of your brand it turned into what does what, how does somebody perceive you in the words that they write and the mm. pictures that they see and you know your website i mean you i remember the days of you know your website was just this expanded yellow page ad oh yeah and now, I mean, I'll tell you right now, I will make every assumption about a brand by just looking at their website.
0: Tell me a little bit more about content marketing exactly. Can you try to define that for me a little <laughs> bit more? Like, just say in the, in the dumbest way possible, you can define that. Oh, yeah. in the yeah. dumbest
2: way possible. <laughs> Gosh, you know, content marketing is a, it's not a thing. It's a living and breathing space in which we all have to adopt it is how you look it's the words people read it's the pictures they see the video they consume it's basically i always look at it content marketing is it's what's on someone's plate every time i sit down for a meal they make decisions about what's going to go on their plate very rarely unless you're a child is it ever dictated towards you Mm. people now you're competing with all the people you weren't competing with before so joe hardware down the street is competing right next to home depot and 10 years ago he wasn't but it's because all this content that served up to his audience now makes them acutely aware that they have all these choices. So it's like going to a buffet and deciding, all right, I'm going to put this on my dish. I'm going to put this on my plate. I'm going to try this for a while. And it's these are all choices people have and they're based off of all of these ideas and all of this information that they're seeing about a company. It's I, I I love content marketing. I wish that we were all kind of bright enough at the time to really figure out this is where it was gonna go. But I again I think we, we all knew there was gonna be a reason why all of us in the creative field were going to have to rely on each other. You couldn't get anywhere without the other. You couldn't get a good website without great photography. You couldn't get a uh, you couldn't get a strong ad without great add copy. So you needed you needed a strong writer to make that picture come off the screen and live in someone Mm -hmm. and make that motion and emotion make a connection. And that that was the one thing about content marketing that I think no one really realized. But now we're all it's great because now even in this bubble, we're all heavily relying on each other.
0: And Vince, I mean, being that you guys and Sprout Creatives are doing all this website development these days too, how do you guys help your customers kind of hone in on what kind of content strategy they should have? Or um, maybe, for example, like what kind of um, content do you think they should be delivering to their customers?
1: Well, they need to talk directly to them. You know, you and I are Mm. sitting across from each other right now, but a website doesn't have the ability to do that to someone when they're looking at the screen. So, like Desiree was saying, the words are probably the most important. Now, the images are, as, are important as well, but the words, you have a very short window to talk to somebody. And if you don't have the right words and the right images, um, they're going to get lost. Uh, most websites that are out there, um, they tend to try to use every bit of the space instead of honing in on exactly what they need to speak to the people mm-hmm. about clearly. We're in a rare part right now where you still need the words. You know, you need content for to compete in the search engines, but people don't want to read the words. Mm-hmm. And you know, every generation complains about the generation behind them, but writing the way we were taught to write serves us well, but it's still not the way that we write for the internet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know we need to write talking to people and solving problems. Um, you know, you come from a television advertising background mm-hmm. just like I do. and you know those days are those days are a different type of writing than than what we do now. Mm-hmm. Um, you have just a short window and where we kind of try to, be different is we learn about the business and how the business is profitable. And then we also learn about their customer. And if I don't understand how they make money and how and who their customer really is, I mean, I'm talking about the age to to gender, to where they hang out, what they watch on TV. I mean, it gets pretty involved. But if I don't understand who we're trying to talk to, it's kind of like throwing a a dart at a board that doesn't even exist. That's Mm -hmm. absolutely true.
2: It is. It used to, like, I, I laugh back at, when I look back at social marketing, what we were doing five years ago, because you used to write really great content, and then hopefully you'd find an image that would somewhat mirror the impact of what you were saying. Now, the way people absorb that content is totally different. They look at the image and then decide if they're going to actually read the content. Mm-hmm. And the content better support it. It's like the, the idea that picture's picture is going to show you what that experience is going to be like, but you still need that content to bring it home and tell them ultimately what they need to be doing next.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, the mistake most, and you're right about how it's changed so fast, but the mistake most people make that I see Is that they think more is going to help them, you know, by constantly fluttering and and flooding the market, I should say. But if it was done strategically, like you said, and methodically and directed towards a goal, a lot of people do marketing and it doesn't have a specific goal. If your goal is to, I need to build up my email marketing list to then market to those people. Then that's your first step. Without the list, you don't have anything Mm -hmm. to do. So you would need a a first a marketing plan on how to get more people in your email marketing list, and then second, how what is the purpose of them reopening their email? We are inundated with so much every day. Oh yeah, and you're right. It's changed dramatically
2: it really
0: is it's kind of interesting I've stepping into a sales role in the technology industry nowadays and um, when you know, cold emailing is still a thing you know the this essentially spamming people uh, but that subject line is so important you know there's they call it the email delete barrier checklist mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to write an email with only two or three sentences at the most with a subject line that is compelling enough to get somebody to actually open your email and read what you have to
1: say. It's virtually impossible it's hard. these days. It's hard. And think about how many you delete on a yeah, daily basis. It's ridiculous. I mean, yeah. a lot.
2: <laughs> I mean I'm I'm kind of that geeky marketer that I I open a lot more than I should just because I want to see what everybody's doing and I yeah. want to see what turn me on enough to click on it. But at the same time, people you know, we recognize at least at Blue Water that the the passion towards people's affinity of we want a customized message. We want you to prove to us that you have been watching and you have been listening and you know what we want. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you right now, it's, you know, some of those little nuggets in my email, I open those first because I, I read the subject line like, Oh yeah, you know me. Mm-hmm. You don't know all of us, but you know me. And whatever you're going to put in front of me is going to be a value to me. It could mean nothing to the person sitting next to me. And that's going to actually mean more to me because you paid attention. Yeah. You left those digital bread, breadcrumbs that I unknowingly picked up and left every hint in the world about what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And that that's the name of the game, too, is learning who your customer is. We were doing um, we were – we're working on a project right now, and we went back to doing an old – tactic that, um, God, I, I don't know why more businesses don't do it today because we've learned a lot more about who our customers are by doing it. And it was the buying personas. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I learned that back in 96. Mm-hmm. And when you go back to the basics of what does your customer look like? What other brands do they attach to? What are their buying habits? What makes them say yes? What makes them say no? What do they like to do? What turns them off? What turns them on? Going back to the pen and paper strategy of, and I make them fill it out with pen and paper, Mm -hmm. and going back and doing that foundation work that so many businesses go right past and don't do it, they miss out on this Phenomenal DNA of their customer that they then can figure out tactically how to market to them in a successful way right from the gate. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I sometimes I, I when I was consulting, we used to do it. We you remember mm-hmm. <laughs> it. Um, it's amazing to me that how much you get from a traditional practice of way back then. And it break. I still find ways to, to put all that in a digital environment, mm-hmm. but I need to know who my customer is, not who I think it is, but who are they telling me they are. Right. That is so valuable.
1: You know what I find funny is when you meet with a business owner and you ask them the right questions and their eyes light up because mm-hmm. they've just figured out well I do have a more customers or more guests than I think that I do. And by thinking in a different way, thinking outside the box, they can start to say, "Okay, well, I'm willing to try something new." Yeah. To talk to them directly, um, you know, our, in my job, the best two parts of my interaction is always their the when their eyes light up when they they see something new, mm-hmm. and then when we show them the website for the first time, it's like them opening up a. Christmas gift, mm-hmm. but then even following up and seeing what happens down the road is is always fun.
2: You know, I still see that whole set it and forget it mentality sometimes, and you know, I I think to people about people all the time that you know that that's great. You went out and you got this, got this great website, great photography, great video, great content, great, 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 great. What are you doing with it? What how are you leveraging it? How are you using it to truly connect with your customers? Yeah. What are you doing? as a side product of your website. I mean, I think sometimes that we as a business owner, you get so trapped up in this one vehicle, you forget to build a solid plan that's tactical that basically, your your vehicle is your website, that's your car, that's what you're driving.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You're proud to drive it, you're super excited, you want everyone to see it. But you forgot well, I gotta put a stereo in it. I gotta upgrade the seats. I gotta do this. I gotta make sure a great navigation system is. I gotta make sure the seat belts are great. You forget all those key points and all those key points are your tactical plans of how you're gonna get people there. And then, you know, for that site to do its job of making people give you a call or come to your store or mm. do whatever they're you, you intend them to do.
0: Tactical is the word there for sure. You know, uh, just being able to focus on those uh, I'll I'll even,
1: I'll even throw in a wrench on that idea is that because people think that social media is so popular, which it is popular, mm-hmm. sometimes they spend more time on social media not realizing that, that needs to go somewhere to a website that needs mm-hmm. to be, have a strong foundation. So I always say it's kind of like building a house. Mm-hmm. And the social media is the roof and the windows and the walls. Mm-hmm. But if the website doesn't have a strong concrete foundation, then you're just wasting your time you're out
2: there. You're talking to talk. Yeah,
1: exactly. You know,
2: I, I think that's so true. It's that... You know, sometimes you. I've even heard people say, you know, I don't need a website. I just use Facebook. Oh, I love that oh, it drives yeah. me insane. It's yeah. like, so you don't actually want, you're not looking to not only like actually have someone produce an action that's going to impact your business, mm-hmm. but you're actually going to be turning away business as well. And you don't realize it. Social media, email marketing um all the tactics everything that we do they're all tactics to get you to the website right it's that is the center everything else is just a component that lives in different lanes to get you there to that house Mm -hmm. and that's i think we have this this misconception sometimes in, in the market of you know i i use social to do this well really i use social to make sure i'm driving sustainable and and practical traffic to my website. Exactly. That's what I need it for, because they can sit there and read my Facebook content, my ads all day long. They can read my tweets or LinkedIn or whatever. How is that gonna make my phone ring?
1: Exactly. <laughs> I always ask them the question. You know, they. I wanna do this on social media. So I ask one simple question how are you gonna make money with this? Mm-hmm. You know, Not that it's always about money, because sometimes you need to promote your brand and get your name out there, but if you're throwing dollars, you wanna see return on those dollars. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. You know, I was hoping to
0: change gears a little bit too, guys. I wanted to see, uh, back in 2016, you joined the team over at Blue Water Development Corporation with our friends Happy Jack Burbage and his son Todd. Tell us about what you guys do over there and your role as CMO.
2: Oh wow! The question really should be, Mark, what don't we do? <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
2: when I joined the organization, we were we weren't small time by any means. They just hadn't put a face to it, and um, and we have you know we're just in a rapid growth pattern right now. The trajectory is definitely concrete. And we're we, we've put rhyme to reason. So building up the three lanes and defining what they are of RV resorts and hotels and, a, and attractions those are the three places that we live and we don't go outside that yeah. And that has I feel like it has made us make this huge distinctive mark in to industry partners because you know if you know a Burbage, Uh, you know how many people want to either do business with them, partner with them, sell something to them. And these these gentlemen have really fine-tuned. You know, I think you, you get attracted to all these different ideas and these business ideas that come through the front door. But when you sit down and really say, okay, so how does that really fit our business model? I might have to turn away this really great deal on paper Because it doesn't fit our business model. But the best deal for you actually is right behind that. That really does fit who you are as a company. And that's what they've done. I mean, we are... um, I think when I came in, we were Delaware to Virginia, and we are now Maine to North Carolina and moving south. And... um,
0: Now as far as uh, acquiring...
2: Yeah, we're doing properties. properties. Uh, We... We um we're in a heavy acquisition mode right now. I think that's safe to say and yeah. I, you know we've made some solid partnerships with KOA and I think that that has proven itself to be a fantastic dynamic business relationship between the two organizations. We um, you know also in the hotels I mean we Jack is is right there every single day. And that's what he prides himself on, is those hotels. And he just has a keen eye for the great property and great deal. And we take these properties and, and we transform them and take them to the next level. I mean, Bethany Beach Ocean Suites, it's a, a marquee Marriott boutique hotel right there on the beach. And you will not find a more beautiful property on the this in this environment whatsoever it's amazing
0: yeah it really says a lot about the maturity of a company too when they can finally hone in on whatever their core focus is seems like a lot of us we do start off with offering a plethora of services sometimes way too much than we could ever imagine uh but it's usually just to get the name out there to get people in the door and stuff like that but uh, when it comes to you guys it seems like uh did, did you have a lot of variety and what kind of projects you would acquire and uh, now you f- feel like you've finally kind of hone that in? I
2: think we did. um, I think we did one of the smartest things that a business could do is that there was so much speculation, I think, for a long time about what not only what Blue Water was or is, but what we would be willing to get engaged with. And we kind of put all of our, we put our money where our mouth is. We put it in, in stone. We put it in writing. We put together a website. And in that website, it tells the story of those three lanes. And it's kind of like it was our announcement to the world. This is, if you have something in these three lanes, these three ideas bring him. We we want to do it. We want to we want to hear what your idea is. We want to either be a part of it or we want to help you succeed in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's been fantastic opportunities that have come our way because I think of that site that tells everyone exactly this is the three places that we live in. And we've shown this growing portfolio on a continual basis. And not only that, I mean the team has doubled in size. Oh my god and wow. it has and when I say that it's not like we grew three people to six I mean it's we are uh, in a, a brand new building we've been there a year and we've grown out wow and I mean we're, we're putting people in every place that we could find to put them <laughs> and it's we're, we're making investments wisely as a company on dynamic team members that are going to help us grow our business in a strategic way and that's You know, I think it's funny. A lot of people look at it where, you know, we just are crazy at the wheel and just buying everything. And there is an unbelievable amount of sophistication in budgeting and revenue management and operations that. People when they come into the building and they see all the bells and whistles of what this team produces, they're shocked. Mm-hmm. And it's it's almost it's like you I I watch it a lot, but I almost like I can't watch it enough because it's like well, you know, we're not we're not just buying stuff to buy it. We actually have a growth pattern behind it. There's a rhyme and reason to it, and we will continue to grow.
0: And you guys have a lot of pretty cool projects coming up, too. Can you maybe let us know a little bit about what we can expect from Blue Water Development in the future? You know,
2: <laughs> that's a funny question. <laughs> um, it, it unfolds like a napkin every single day. That's what I say. It's just like another layer of it every single day. We, um, we just moved into Maine. We acquired a property up there, Flat Rock uh, Family Camping. And as everyone knows, I think... Um, you know We've taken this industry of camping and have figured out how to take the ideas, the feel, the look, and amenities of what you would do in one of the islands and transform a campground into a resort environment where you get to do all of that. So it's great. I mean, we've taken recession-proof vacationing, and we have cleaned it up and made it so unbelievably attractive.
0: That's great. I mean I I mean obviously we're customers of uh, Sunset Beach Resort down in Cape Charles, you Virginia. You mean Chesapeake? Oh yeah, now it's uh, Chesapeake uh, KOA, Chesapeake
2: right? Chesapeake
0: Bay KOA. Chesapeake yeah. Bay KOA, the campground of America. Yeah. Uh, so you guys are a part of that organization now. Yeah, we um, have
2: two two campgrounds that are KOAs. Um, Chicateek and Chesapeake Bay and, you know, again, we we look to, we're looking at the next project with them now, mm-hmm. down in North Carolina and we're really excited to keep growing with that relationship.
0: I've always, I love the scene down there. It's gorgeous. You feel like you're on the edge of the earth, right by the water and, yeah, like you said, the amenities, it's almost like on the verge of glamping. <laughs> the it glorious is. camping. It is. It's and not it, quite, I mean, kind of. Yeah. It depends on how you look at it, but yeah. you have the option to choose. It, you know,
2: I, when, the thing is, is that and, and I'm always surprised to say it, the campgrounds are actually the I I would think the most entertaining part of what I get to market because it is there's something in it for everybody. The choices are unbelievable of what you get to do, and really the hardest choice you have to make is the way you're where you're going to sleep. Uh-huh. Are you sleeping in a hotel? Or are you sleeping? in a tent? Are you sleeping in an RV? Are you sleeping in a cottage? Now, will you be sleeping in a tent that's suspended between two trees? Will you be sleeping in a safari tent? I mean, mm-hmm. we are opening this thing <laughs> up in a big way. So <laughs> you want to see, you know, I want to see everyone from a millennial to a senior on that property. And this is how we're going to get there.
1: I love it. I love it. Well, that's got to be hard to market for because it, <laughs> in, it encompasses so many People, does. you know what I mean. It's, it's so you're kinds.
2: speaking to so <laughs> many different faces, and our messaging. You know, we really pride ourselves in customized messaging and ways to put together strong marketing pieces that don't speak to everybody. They speak to a specific type of person because we need that specific person to do that specific action totally different than this guy over here right and that's you know that's a big part we where we're moving into customized marketing especially marketing is to make sure that those conversations don't get confused those those types of conversations very quickly can get diluted because my millennial could mistakenly read content for someone that is, um, has a family already and is looking for a different type of experience, and that's it's a hard thing to to make sure all the time that you're separating out those messages.
1: Well, you kind of have to know who plans the vacations, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, <laughs> and we definitely know that. So
2: <laughs> we definitely know that. Probably not us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you too but
1: yeah.
2: I I would have to say I'd be planning the vacations, right. but.
0: Now, you recently attended the Social Media Marketing World Conference in San Diego, which is probably one of the biggest conferences in the world on social media. It is the biggest (laughs) one. That's probably why they call it the Social Media Marketing World. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tell us about all of it and, so and what, basically some up
2: uh, four days in a minute okay so and that. hours and hours of breakout
0: <laughs> sessions yeah. and what i'm curious about is what inspiration you came home with
2: again i am a well-known geek of all things marketing and being one of the kind of the earlier ones in social media some of these guys it's kind of like coming home you get to see them you've seen them year after year you've you kind of grew up with them because we were all in this space vying for knowledge and know-how um back in the early days of social media and it's great coming back and seeing them each year speak more about their craft and what's coming um i think that's the benefit one of the conversations they have is a keynote um, speaker every year is Michael Stelzner and uh, from Social Media Examiner, and and Michael came up. Um, he was a little bit more quiet when the rest of us were really trying to figure out what is social media, and of course, social media marketing didn't exist. Um, and he has exploded in the world of social media, and he's Social Media Examiner is a fantastic. Engine of knowledge that you get And they host
0: the event, right? He
2: does, They do host the event And two things that Michael does One, he puts together The absolute best f- Festival you could Ever find of the rock stars In the industry And it's every single channel Nothing is left uncovered And it's, it is the leaders The most powerful voices That have that credibility behind them That aren't just up there to tell you yeah, some things are going to happen next year. Pay attention. It's mm. This is what's going to happen. This is what you're going to do. This is how you do it. Wow. And you just sit there and you take pictures of slides and you write it all down. And it is all exactly the strategy to address that, un- in, that kind of the influx of what new is coming down the pike, which mm-hmm. is great. So many conferences just kind of brush over what you should look at. I call Michael Stelzner's keynote address um, as my annual anxiety moment, my annual anxiety speech, because I always walk into that room and I'm surrounded by thousands of other like-minded individuals that just love marketing. And I think, all right, we, we've got it all. We're using the tools. We're doing that. We're doing this. I got all the books, you know, like I got it all. We're good. We're good. And then he sits there and says, throw that crap away. (laughs) This is what's happening, and you better be on it. And it's like, oh. And I always look at my team members and go, okay, so we need to go back into the cave and reconfigure the board and figure out how we're going to stake our claim in this digital environment. Mm
0: -hmm. You got a whole new task list ahead of I did.
2: I mean, I came back, and and, uh, this year I took – a couple other members of my team, key members of my team with me. And because social is such a giant for us, um, that component is just we've got a team and we've got internal and external. And, you know, we have photographer, video people that support that with us. Um, I took everybody out that I could, and everyone had their own track that they were on. And we just hope to have skimmed enough. To get us to where we need to be this year.
0: After attending one of these things, do you feel overwhelmed or revitalized?
2: Both. I definitely feel the energy of it. I mean, I came back completely inspired, to not afraid to take my marketing plan and retool that tactic. In. I think that's the key to success when you go to a conference like this. And I always tell people that sit in um, director roles or CML roles is that you have to keep learning. You know, you have to go to conferences that are key and that you will learn so many things that you'll be able to take back. And you don't have to wipe away the slate, but you have to kind of retool it. If you don't learn to retool it, your company is only going to go as far as it did five years ago. Mm -hmm. And that's really what I walked away with this. It was, I was definitely re-energized into, I couldn't wait to get back basically in front of my computer, break everyone's notes apart and then rebuild it. And today was like another example of that. This is our second, um, you know, several hour long rebuilding sessions Mm -hmm. of, How do we take all these great ideas we had, successes from the past, and how do we learn the new tools to infuse into those things? And a big part of it is how is our website going to kind of be manipulated to answer to this new type of traffic and this new eye? And one of the key things is... Call your developer and tell them what's going on, what you're working on. So then that way they can say, all right, let's take the foundation and let's make some updates to it. Mm -hmm. And let's find a way to make sure you have this excellent, stable platform that's going to be able to handle all these different components you're throwing at it. And that I mean, it's key. It's just you have to do it.
0: It's pretty fascinating. I mean, did they happen to talk about any of these new futuristic concepts, things like <laughs> augmented reality, Whoa, we're going with this. <laughs> virtual reality, artificial intelligence, all these things that we've heard about in sci-fi movies? Just to kind of bring our audience up to speed on some things, too, let's talk about augmented reality first. And the Webster definition of augmented reality is a technology that superimposes a computer-generated image. On a user's view of the real world, so this sounds absolutely (laughs) absurd.
2: (laughs) I'm just just gonna stay right here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I. I like Tron. <laughs> that was a great movie. <laughs> they were ahead of their time. Next
0: question. <laughs> Tell me, about, I mean, I've, when we when we kind of look back, I look back at a couple years ago when Google Glass first came out with these silly glasses that had this big old thing protruding off the side of it. And you walk around and you see the world as it is, but then you get notifications popping up in the corner of your eye for text messages and probably what I foresee as advertisements and marketing one day too Absolutely. is that kind of where we're heading <laughs> that
2: is where we're heading i mean they they you know it's funny because i i sat in an arbr um workshop and then um a couple of my teammates had gone to other sessions that involved that and i remember sitting there very clearly and i was highly skeptical highly skeptical but then when it, when you think about it, you think, well, you remember back in the day when you used to write copy and, and, or do an, write copy or a press release or do a print ad, even a commercial that was really your main goal was trying to get your potential customer to see themselves participating in that experience. That's what this is. Again, it's a traditional concept coming in to another digital environment and that's that's simply how it is. Mm-hmm. And I think that when people don't overcomplicate that, it it's a very it, it's not an abrasive idea. You're you're actually welcoming it, going, Oh well, we've been trying to do that crap all along. Mm-hmm. And now they're gonna build tools to make you uh, really be able to capture that experience. I do remember and I, I think I tweeted it out. The um, person I was taking the workshop from said this was going to be this was going to change everything a colossal shift in the marketing world is about to happen. And that's what it was. And I wrote it down. I was like, oh, colossal
0: ship. <laughs> but you know, It kind of makes me wonder, too, about artificial intelligence because that plays into this a little bit. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people, when they think of artificial intelligence, they think of walking, talking robots. But no, what we're talking about here is automation, mm-hmm. automation with our own jobs, too, when you think about it, um, you know, things like of course, computer-aided design is something that can be automated by artificial intelligence. But I'm thinking of more things like content moderating.
2: Oh, uh, Like you
0: have an artificial intelligence engine that can moderate content. Without the need of a human even being involved. I know what
2: you're gonna say next. But then, what about
0: <laughs> what about artificial intelligence figuring out what ads to serve these customer personas? Is that something that could be, you know, Absolutely. aided by a computer?
2: I mean, we, we're already seeing it with retargeting being as aggregate as it is right now. I mean, I think retargeting took off on a much more rapid level than anyone really expected. I it's so funny because you know I I go to work and I and I hear people say this pop up thing followed me all over the internet last night and I just how did they know I was looking at shoes or I was thinking about this or thinking about that and it I mean, it, it cracks me up <laughs> because I'm like this isn't on accident probably listening
1: to you yeah exactly <laughs> it's
2: your fault we have Google Home <laughs> but you know it's it's funny because we're one of the Major takeaways was um, the uh, messenger bot, and that was one of the big takeaways from the conference. They said you, you you better learn to embrace it, and figure out how you can capture this and make this work in in your landscape, in your business, in your marketing plan. Can explain
0: that. Is that like where you literally get a message from a bot, like an advertisement message? Looks like it might be coming from your friends. Maybe is that what I'm thinking? No, no. So it's different.
2: it's basically you, you remember the. Uh, What's Mr. Movie Phone? Remember, you used to be able to ask Mr. Movie Phone questions, and he would tell you everything you needed to know about movies.
0: I think so. I mean, you would call him up. You were
2: a child. Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, I might be a little before do my you, time. you probably remember what that is.
0: I
1: uh, no, I'm a child. Oh, <laughs> Lord. all
2: right. So, as a senior citizen of this group, no, I'm just, <laughs> just saying I act like a child. <laughs> Excellent clarification. Um, it's it's funny because the Messenger Bot, I um. I kind of fell down a rabbit hole with one about four or five months ago, and I was immediately turned off. Um, I just didn't see the value of it. If anything, I was kind of pissed off at the company of, man, you really don't want my business. You don't care about who I am at all. And if I get another message from you, it is absolutely not going to reflect the experience that I'm having right now. Mm -hmm. And, um, but now learning kind of how you fine-tune that it's it's an opportunity for people. Well, we're kind of looking at it as it's an opportunity for people to get from point A to point C in a faster route without going to point B. Mm-hmm. So for us, with let's just say with the RVs, a lot of people have questions, very specific questions about their rigs and the equipment and this and that. And those are questions that sometimes either prevent them from a buying decision, or it kind of stalls them. And what happens when they stall? Your competitor, who wasn't advertising to them before, now is advertising to them. Mm-hmm. And now they're being retargeted and remarketed to in a whole more you know aggregate way. So then it's What was like maybe of, uh, let me think about this a little bit more. Now it's, well, this guy over here can answer these questions and has got all that. And I'm just going to go ahead and book.
1: Yeah. So let let me ask you a quick question. Are you saying that this technology could be like a frequently asked question section on a website? So it already pre answers Mm -hmm. questions that it knows that it might get. So it's taken the person out of the situation.
2: It's basically if you were going to put someone if you're going to put a human in in a seat and answer nothing but Facebook messages. That's what this is. Okay. So you're taking Mr. phone and you're putting him in this this space and he's already programmed with all of those FAQs from your website. Mm -hmm. And some of those things that you know are just so finite that it does prevent them from doing what you need them to do and it's answering it for them. They're engaging with them. Now, most people are gonna understand, I think, that there are limitations to that personal experience. Um, I stumped one the other day. I asked him something and, and my bot, stopped answering me, and obviously that bot then kicked a message to somebody that was in that role, and that person got back to me and answered the question I needed Wow, to have. so it
0: almost acted as a dispatcher, like it's kind of like found that. the channel for it, it to go. Is. Wow. And it is, and it
2: kind of figures out like, okay, so it, you can program it to let it know at what point are you going to try to convert that Facebook message back over to your website for an action. Or where are you going to lead them next? Or what
1: page they need to go to. Yes.
2: You're really just providing them with a much more detailed opportunity to have this conversation with you and answer the questions that, again, it's harder for them. It makes them not go to that B stage. It goes from A to C. And what do we want in our business? We want people to book. We want you to know who we are see what we have and book our experience. So I'm trying to find ways to take this, well, the team really is working at how can we use these bots to take out this, this like kind of this space, the vanilla space that no one really gets to the questions that they have that prevents them from making that instant buying decision. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, if the bot does it right, is leading them right back to the place that they need to go on their website and to buy what they need to buy or do what they need to do mm-hmm. it's um it's tricky it's it's super tricky But i, I think it's scary you know in a sense
1: is. and you know i'm not here to do a a product plug but i actually have an app on my phone that's a robot that argues with telemarketers <laughs> so the telemarketer calls right and the robot they're pre-recorded uh, messages. Keeps that telemarketer on the phone as long as they possibly can, so that they won't call back. That so,
0: we
1: need that. You know, <laughs> I I'm not going to tell you who it is. It's two bucks a month, but it's, it's, worth, <laughs> it's worth it's worth every single dollar. We have to get that uh, out of you. <laughs> you know, but it's just scary. You know, it, I look at what we do in marketing is always people with people. Yep. You know, and. I was, I was not a social media person, and mm-hmm. and still, very much, am not on a personal level. Mm-hmm. But our the people that, that we work for, need help in social media, so we, we integrate it with almost every client that asks us to, mm-hmm. and it's usually not even us. It's a, it's people that are that know way more than we do. Yeah, you know, yeah. experts like yourself. So, um, I fought it for many, many, many years. Because we were, we had our head uh, stuck in the websites and, yeah. and trying to produce the best quality we possibly can. We still do, and uh, it's just crazy how it's evolutionized into you need both.
2: You do. I mean, again, it's your your website is your it's your house. Yeah, it, you got to figure out how many rooms you're going to put in, how many windows you're going to put in, how many stairs. Like, what what are you going to do to get everybody to to the foundation that you need them to be at? And to me, it's like the content in your website is the kitchen. Everybody's in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Every single person, your your, was it your home and hearth is sitting in your kitchen, and um, and that's a really good way to to me to to kind of put to picture what your website really means. It's the question of how are you going to create all these other tools and these tactics for people to get to where they need to go. At the end of the day, I mean, I think we all look at our websites and we look at the information that we're getting from people and we're trying to make a, we're trying to make a kind of an assumption, a stable assumption about what that experience is going to be like with that business. And it's there's a lot of pressure involved in that. I mean, I'll tell you right now, I shift between 13 and 14 brands a day. Mm-hmm. I never really truly know like what voice I'm speaking in, and what I'm doing, and especially online, we're we're moving inside those silos very fast, and you have to step back and think, oh, I gotta stop talking, the way that I think I should be talking, and listen to my customer.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's, that's a, I think that is a key ingredient of success as a marketer, as a business owner, is where are you providing opportunities for you to listen to your customer?
0: Is that what you would tell, you know kind of as a final question here, is that what you would tell to business owners and other folks that are into marketing? You know, as just a message to them. What would you like to tell them?
2: It's not about talking to your customers. It's not about, you know, what am I what am I really trying to do? Put all this content out so that my customers become professional readers? No. <laughs> you know, I I need to I'm trying to kind of harvest a little idea there, show them what that experience is going to be like and then ultimately start a conversation that's going to result in a relationship. At the end of the day, we want everyone to get offline and go do what's going to be the person to person.
0: That's it.
2: <laughs> that's what you want. I mean, mm-hmm. that's like, that's it. That's the bonanza right there. It's the big bang right there. And you, 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 I think you have to find ways to make that happen and find a shorter span to make that happen. I see people get stuck in these online conversations that just go on forever. And it's like, wasn't your intention as Joe business owner to, like, provide a service and a relationship that's of value? How are you providing value if they're stuck reading your stuff all the time and they're not actually going in to do what you wanted them to do? Mm -hmm. Isn't at the end of the day you want to shake their hand, thank them for their business and make sure that you've made a customer for life? The the simplest choice for them to make every day is to come and do business with you?
1: Well, (laughs) well, you know what I love about What you're saying is your training goes all the way back to before this stuff existed. And if you don't take that playbook and apply it to the new technology, you know, one of the first things I learned in Marketing 101, and I kind of got bit by the bug like you did, um, was to never show an empty restaurant. But you see so many people show an empty restaurant because it's a convenient time to take a picture. Yeah. You know, if you're not showing the people that you're trying to talk to in any type of your marketing, if they can't see themselves or see their child or see, you know, even, you know, even their dog or, you know, if they can't see themselves, then it's not being effective. I
2: think I really, it's funny that that we're having this conversation right now because um, when I was coming back from that conference, I really, I, I took some time out to really think about, where I was as a marketer, where I was in my, my craft and, and, and everything and the whole industry. And I had to be reminded that it's so easy to think that there is a shortcut that you can get to because you now have this huge toolbox. There are no shortcuts.
1: I call it the snowball effect. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not, you know, you're going to build a small snowball and then your marketing around it has to keep elevating to to roll down the hill though people always say oh well why don't i have results right away well because you don't have a strategy you don't look at it as a year strategy or two years or three years and just exactly what you're saying you you really
2: have to learn to just these tools are great super convenient awesome fun for us to play with as marketers but, again, you have to go back to finding a way to listen to that customer, learn how to make that face-to-face impression with them, and build that relationship. It's all about relationship. I think it was that buzzword in the last two years of relationship marketing. I don't know many people that really stepped back and figured out what does relationship marketing truly mean. And well, that that's it's important.
1: It's interesting you say that because people remember stories. Mm-hmm more than anything so if your brand has a story to it you know or a an experience to it yeah they're going to remember that brand and they're going to be loyal to that's
2: absolutely true we are in the business of telling stories that's what this year for us is going to be
0: about (laughs) i love it and on that note guys i think that's a perfect time for us to go ahead and conclude our first podcast i just want to say today's been truly awesome guys Uh, desiree thank you so much for coming in today be sure to check out all the cool things that blue water development is doing you can check them out on facebook and their website www.bwdc.com So, Vince, how do you think we did today, man?
1: Fair. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I learned a lot. And uh, I hope right. the people out there listening, three of you, uh, <laughs> learned a lot as well.
2: Three? Like two extra people came?
1: <laughs> That's awesome. to start somewhere.
0: Oh, yeah. What's on the agenda for next month?
1: I don't know yet. You know? <laughs> we were talking
0: about the idea of doing the pick a fight, oh, the whole concept yeah. of picking a fight when it comes to marketing. Oh, So gosh. this should be a really interesting topic that we'll, we'll talk about.
2: Listen to that one for sure. <laughs> That's a good one. I like we'll, definitely, that. we'll
1: definitely talk about music a little bit more. Awesome. Well, important. we'll talk about music, period, because we didn't talk about it this time. Yeah,
0: I mean, music, it, it plays such a huge part in marketing these days, and it's always an afterthought for a lot of people. So looking forward to talking about that on our next episode. And thanks again for everyone who is listening. This is Mark Shaw from Westbound Sounds. Vincent Gisrael from Sprout Creatives. And our fine, esteemed <laughs> guest, Miss Desiree Lawrence. Thank you guys so much. We're signing off. Have a great day. Thank you guys so much. We're signing off. Have a great day.